the Olympian Hollaby Marais, funded in part by the U.S. Department of Energy and in part by private companies with ties to classified government projects, was built to make observations about the workings of our universe. Technological capabilities of the array seem impossible even if it encompasses the most advanced and state-of-the-art technologies available to mankind. Stranger still are the hypotheses the array was built to study. At 10 o'clock this morning, the array will go online for the first time. Welcome to Observer Effect, a Delta Green scenario written by Shane Ivey. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Welcome everyone to the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. Today we have a very special playthrough of Delta Green Observer Effect. With us today, I am your host and uh, handler and keeper, Vase Odin. With us today... Nate, lost in time and space. I will be playing the role of Agent Lawrence Jameson. He works for the Department of Energy as a construction control representative... And he has a bachelor's in electrical engineering, as well as a master's degree in computer science from Stanford. He started his career early on in computer science, working for Samsung and TSMB as a hardware manufacturer. And later in life, he eventually wound up in Chicago studying nuclear physics. Samsung, huh? My favorite phone brand. And then we have Brad Clark, played by... Yeah, I'm JP from Northern Lights Over Arkham. I'm playing Brad Clark, a firefighter, recruited to Delta Green after a really strange uh, fire that uh, he was uh, operating in. He was uh, heading into the burning building to save a, save a uh, family that was uh, stuck in the upper uh, floors, but... As he entered the building, he uh, quickly got uh, stuck inside because the entrance collapsed. But after uh, seeing that the family was burning uh, alive, uh, he saw a strange figure that was walking through the flames and it actually uh, made a hole in the wall that made it possible for Brad to escape the inferno. And... After that, uh, he was uh, contacted by some people from Delta Green, and now he's uh, doing some some work for them. Not much yet, but uh, maybe something really soon. Fairly green with Delta Green. Yeah. And uh, we have a, a returning character, Dr. Malakoff. Yes, hello. Um, so I'm Dr. Malakoff, um, Polish um, in descent. Um, educated uh, in the UK, uh, did a PhD in photonics and um, uh, sort of transferred my um, work towards um, the CDC and Erling Warding infrastructure, um, maintained my interest in um, quantum nature of light 
um, and determined to use my knowledge for welfare and not war. Uh, I have an affinity for horses. My father used to race them. I like playing the oboe and uh, also have an interest in preserving books and literature, particularly first editions. Very nice interest, but Dr. Malikov had a very harrowing experience a couple of years ago in New York. What happened there? So, I try not to talk about this too much, but uh, other operatives may have been aware of... uh, um, Obviously, we can talk about it with other agents, but uh, this was uh, a missing persons case... um, yeah, of, a, of a young artist who um, seemed to have been caught up in uh, some strange events uh, in, a, in a building in New York, which, uh, well, I can't explain it either, but there was uh, an extra floor appeared in the evening that, uh, well, you can read my case files for, for what actually happened, but... Uh, you lost two agents that day. I lost, lost two friends uh, I would, I would say, it was, uh, it was a difficult time. Yes, it was. It is Tuesday, ten o'clock in the morning Central Time. What are you guys doing? Agent Lawrence Jameson would be busy at work uh, at at the Department of Energy. Agent Lawrence's job is essentially to go to various, uh, various sites and um, do do construction control. So he essentially makes sure that everything is up to snuff when it comes to designing electrical and nuclear systems. Are you are you working by yourself right now? Um, usually the position requires a, a group of people, and then there's obviously also the people that are actually doing the construction itself, whether it's contracts through the government or private companies. And uh, Mr. Brad Clark... What, what would you be doing on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning? Uh, if it's um, a non-work morning, I would be jogging. And uh, Dr. Malikoff, what are you doing on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning? Or New York time, it would be uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll be, I'll be in, the, in the lab with the CDC uh, um, local offices. Um, I tend to, I did work with a small team, but I tend to work more alone now. Um, just be running some uh, simulations um, and checking the um, integrity of the systems. Okay. Are you by yourself, or are there other people that work in the lab with you? Um, I've got a I've got a closed off lab. There's there's a few people working in the uh, the lab next door. We've got windowed um, labs, so we can make sure that uh, everyone's all right um, uh, in the office space. I've got an experiment running behind me with one of my um, my my photonics uh, experiments. So it is Tuesday morning, ten o'clock, and uh, Mr. Brad Brad Clark is jogging around his neighborhood, uh, getting his exercise in on his day off. When all of a sudden um, you're racked with pain, you stop jogging and just drop to the ground. You almost trip because of your momentum. Uh, and you stop and just kind of drop to the ground and, and clench your head. A massive throbbing of your head is is overwhelming you. And uh, for a second, there's nothing that you can do except let out a guttural scream. Ah! It is 11 o'clock in the morning in New York. And Dr. Malikov is working in his lab 
when suddenly you lose your vision. You can't see anything but bright blue and white light all around you. You try to you try to make sense of it, you try to blink and rub your eyes and nothing happens. And then a shooting pain throughout your entire body uh, disables you for a moment. Uh, you panic and let out a scream. Which immediately prompts the people all around you to, uh, to run into your laboratory to see if everything's okay. And within a second, it's all, it's all gone. It is 10 o'clock in the morning and Lawrence Jameson is in Chicago at work when all of a sudden pain surges through your entire body. You drop to the ground. There's nothing you can do. You, you feel your entire body reverberate with, with some kind of um, throbbing and, and sound all around you that also can be felt throughout your body. We rolled sanity rolls before we started the game, and two of you passed. But Lawrence Jameson, you failed your sanity roll. Um, so Brad Clark and Dr. Malakoff, you each only lose one point of sanity. Lawrence Jameson, you lose three points, but you can try and repress the sanity loss. Um, so you can either project it onto a bond. Uh, so think of someone who is one of your bonds and try to use them to help you um, maintain your composure. If you do that, well, I'll go into how that works. Or you can just try to using your willpower. It's a limited resource, but you can try using your willpower to try and overcome the sanity loss. What did you want to do? Or you can just take it on the chin. I'm going to project it. Who are you projecting it onto? Onto my onto my bond of my mother, Diane Jameson. So when you project sanity loss to a bond, uh, you can spend 1d6 willpower. So go ahead and roll me a d6. I rolled a 1. Okay, so uh, it's rounded up. So you lose 1 point from that bond. Um now you kind of associate this pain with your mom, but it, it helped you uh, repress a little bit of that sanity loss. So reduce the sanity loss instead of three, you'll reduce it by one. Uh, so you only lose two points of sanity. You don't know what happened, but just as soon as it came, it went away. Dr. Malakoff, the, the people in your lab are all concerned. Uh, they want to know what's, what's happening. What happened to you? I, I, I don't know. I saw a blue white light um uh, i wasn't did anyone else see it no no oh no uh, uh, dr malakov no none of us saw anything we just heard you scream we were in the other lab it's, it's okay i probably need a uh, some sugar or something else. um um yes yes uh, dr malakov we can continue the research for today maybe you should take the day off and just just relax a little bit uh, i don't know i'm I, I feel okay at the moment but uh Maybe I'll take take ten minutes or something. I'll go go and um, go and find the uh, the canteen or one of the um, chocolate dispensers and get myself some something to eat. You got it. So on your way there, um, you can kind of reflect on what happened, and you can try and remember. Um, maybe try to make sense of what happened. I'll try and remember. So um, when you try to remember. Uh, roll me a sanity roll. Okay. Failed. 81. Okay. So, 
um, you as you're getting yourself a hot chocolate, you, you try and make sense of what happened when all of a sudden you're horrified, lose one point of sanity, and gain one point on your unnatural skill. All of a sudden, you, you just get a glimpse. Um, the blue-white light suddenly turns into an open sky. It's uh, maybe about twilight when the sky starts to tear open as just this black mass just starts filling the entire outdoor sky. Uh, the, the mass is expanding very quickly, exponentially fast, covering the entire sky as far as you can see. But as it spreads, it's not like round, it's not in a particular shape. In fact, it's almost like tendrils uh, reaching out as it expands and grows. Um, you're horrified. You have no idea what this means. Jeez. Uh, I look at the coffee and uh, the, the hot chocolate and um, think twice about drinking it. Mr. Brad Clark, um, you can also try and try and make sense of it if you if you'd like. After after you stop for a second from your jog, um, you kind of recover from from the racking pain and uh, can try and see if you if you remember. But you feel it might be a bad idea to do so. Yeah, I'll uh, shrug it off as some form of uh, digestion problem that caused <laughs> my my breakfast burrito didn't settle in quite well or something like that but I'll I'll uh, take some wind and try to walk it off Mr. Lawrence uh, Jameson uh, what do you, do you want to do do you want to try and make sense of, of what happened? Lawrence would just shrug it off and try to go about his business as usual He's very busy and has a lot to do today. Excellent. It is 11 o'clock in Denver. It's 11 o'clock in Chicago. And it is noon in New York. All of you at the same time receive a phone call. It's from an unknown number. And you know better than to ignore these calls. The, uh, the person on the other line is, uh, seems to be a, a salesperson... Um, telling you that uh, they're selling very, very specific merchandise manufactured out of Chicago. Um, and, uh, well, it's uh, only $1,500. You, you know, basically, the, the doublespeak. Uh, you've come to, to learn and, and know the doublespeak of Delta Green. You know that you're being summoned to Chicago at 3 o'clock. Understood. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll put the phone down. Um decide that I'm going to drink the hot chocolate uh, in the end and uh, I'm going to go uh, speak to the uh, lab manager and uh, say that I'm going to take the week off. Yes, yes. Get yourself better, uh, Dr. Malakoff. Definitely. We'd love to see you back in great shape in about a week. I give her one of my flat smiles. Yeah, I'll call the uh, fire station. I'll be taking a week's uh, uh, week off for a family emergency in Chicago, so I, I won't be available. Brad, I hope everything's all right. Um, yeah, I, you know, take care of your family, however long you need. You go ahead and take care of that. Yeah, first. great. 
we'll, the, the station will be here. We'll take care of things for you over here. And Mr. Jameson, you are at work. So as a as a construction control representative, I'd have to I'd have to call my superior at their office. Um, so I so I make a quick phone call to them and explain to them that my my partner has has been in an accident and is undergoing surgery currently. So your your uh, superior your superior's superior is um, is uh, Director Hua and um, says, "Yeah, absolutely, no problem." Um, he seems a little confused and um, says, "That's fine. You can go ahead and uh, take the time you need done." So, um, it is now 1500 hours in Chicago. Uh, FBI office is your destination. You guys arrive and there is a meeting room in the lower levels of the office. And um, waiting for you at the meeting room are two individuals. One is a female, one is a male. One of them, Nate, you don't know personally, but you just spoke with him. And it is uh, Director Hua. He kind of gives you kind of a weird he just gives you a look and then he doesn't he doesn't say anything else and uh introduces himself um welcome i'm agent hua thank you for coming on such short notice this here with me is uh agent eve carter she will be our handler for this operation hopefully you all had a safe trip it's fine thank you we're just gonna get right to it <clears throat> Your destination is the Olympian Hollow Beam Array here in Illinois. It's a new high-tech physics lab in the suburbs of Chicago, not too far from here. Um, it's run f- by a handful of academic researchers from MIT and the University of Chicago. It's funded by the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Science and Private Consortium of Donors and uh, a few venture capital firms this uh this array on the website it says it's built to study the theory that space itself is a sort of three-dimensional hologram uh, cast on a two-dimensional surface some very strange theory here very out there the program has determined that the array secretly uses technology derived from air force research programs that were defunded years ago. The Air Force projects were too dangerous to continue and were terminated. During the process, certain elements were reclassified, privatized, and then sold to some donors. And uh, those same donors are quite possibly the sponsors of the array. We have an interest in the technology. But our biggest concern 
is at Disarray went online at 10 o'clock today, Central Time. Went online for the first time. And he looks, he looks disturbed when he says that. You must go to the array. Isolate it by shutting down its communications with the outside world, including cell phones, and stop whatever incursion may have occurred. Because of the history of the array's technology and uh, certain other anomalies, it's an indication, and he starts kind of getting a little jittery, it's an indication uh, that there's some incursion of natural forces. We have very good reason to believe so. Any idea which, which forces we might be dealing with? Um, no, no. Um, so the one of you with the most human, I believe, is a Dr. Malakoff. What's your human score? Uh, 31. All right. I think the rest of you have a lower than 31. Is that correct? Yep. Um, you, um, even, even though he's saying that he doesn't know what the excursion is, he, he clearly seems troubled by by this whole thing um just for the audience in delta green uh until things start to really go downhill uh scores are just um used to determine pass or success or how much information you gain from something usually you don't need to roll unless things are going badly so when dice start rolling that's when you know in delta green that things are about to go bad anyways um so um Agent Hua says, uh, our handler, Eve Carpenter, uh, has a burner phone. Uh, this is the only means of communication destroyed after your mission. And they hand you the burner phone. Um, we also have uh, set aside some assets for you. Um, not too much, but uh, they might be useful. We don't expect any kind of uh, uh, difficulty with any of the members in the array none of them have any criminal records as far as our background searches have been done therefore we don't expect any violence uh, with those with those individuals uh, we have secured an unmarked department of energy issued sedan and an unmarked department of energy issued cargo van for you guys to uh, to travel in uh, your credentials uh, you have clearance under the cover of an inspection team for the department of energy and you're, you've been tasked to review the site and its records for wrongdoing. They know you're coming. They're probably not going to be very happy that you're coming because you're there to uncover wrongdoing. Um, there are specific documents or pieces of technology in, in the facility that your clearance doesn't cover. We did our best, but in order to not raise suspicion, this is what, we, what you will be working with. Uh, you... There's a few areas where you will not be able to access legally, so tread with care. Agent Hua. In the middle of the meeting, while you guys were were talking to these uh, Delta Green agents, they got a phone call and they tell you that uh, the array had a sort of power surge that occurred right around 3.30. You you will be given an electronic personal uh, dosimeter this will be in the van, uh, a first aid kit, and medicines for radiation poisoning. We we don't expect there to be any radiation in the uh, in the array. 
but uh, included in the medicines are potassium iodide, uh, Prussian blue capsules, DTPA with IV bags and a nebulizer, and a few syringes and such. Um, we, uh, we are also giving you a um, Geiger counter, two of them, just in case. If you need any, any weapons, uh, you'll have to secure those yourselves. Hopefully it doesn't come to something like that. Uh, as far as the array goes itself, do we have any schematics of the building or any information about the technology that they're using? You may be able to find that information online, mm. uh, perhaps on your way down there. Uh, whoever is not driving may be able to use some kind of laptop. Just be sure to uh, cover your tracks if you're going to be delving deeper than you should. I'm very aware of how to cover my own tracks when it comes to the technological side of things. I nearly wrote the book on the matter. Excellent. Well, you you all can be trusted. That's why we're sending you as a specialty team to handle this. And as always, you know you're standing orders. Of course. Do you have any other questions for us? You, uh, you've given us some Geiger counters. Are, the, um, are they using nuclear power to, f to fund these pro projections from the array? We don't think so. It's just a precautionary measure. But uh, we, don't, we don't suspect any kind of nuclear energy or, or anything of the sort or any radiation. But you never know. Uh, we, we have a basic understanding of the actual research that they're doing there. The truth of what they're doing it may include some, some other things that we're not aware of. So we're just taking a precaution here. If they're using quantum computing, it's certainly possible that they could be powering it with, with some sort of isotope. So it's not possible. It's not entirely out of the question. It's standard procedure as far as DOE, DOE is concerned. Uh, one question I have is who, who is going to be meeting us when we arrive at the array? I will pass you an organizational chart, and uh, that way you can, you can see who's in charge there. The major company in charge of the project is Olympian Advances Incorporated. The Halloween Array is uh, run by director Dr. Jamie Campbell. Uh, her team, her research team, is uh, Helen Klinger and Philip Black, both doctors, uh, scientists. Uh, there's an engineering team as well as uh, some support staff, including security. Is it U.S. security or is it private security? It is private security. Mm, okay. Good to know. Uh, question, Vase the Handler. Uh, can I do either a education or some sort of role to determine whether or not I would actually know uh, Ishii Takagawa, given my background in um, engineering for systems like this? Yeah, to, to see if you just know, it, know who that is mm -hmm. off the top of your head. Yeah, just to like mm -hmm. kind of get a sense of her background. Yeah, uh, Ishitaka Gawa is is a male. Um, so let me see briefly here. No, you have not heard of Ishitaka Gawa. But again, you can probably research uh, that kind of information on the way to to the facility. It's an hour drive from where you are right now. It's quite a small focused team 
that's my first thoughts. Mm, they usually don't list various not not need to know people. I'm sure there are other assistants and engineers working on the project as well, but these sorts of things tend to be pretty tight knit. Doctor Malakoff, you do you do um, really really think this is a very small team, um, even though even though. Um, Mr. Jameson is telling you that you know it is common to have smaller teams for these things because of the nature of this research uh, that seems to be pretty groundbreaking. You would think there would be a bigger team involved for that. Absolutely. Usually, companies like this like to keep their own research in house, and they tend not to staff large large groups. As far as development goes, however, that would require a much larger team, but. Again, if the if the the components necessary to make the array were already already done, then as far as researching it goes, you don't need a very large team. But it is strange. Certainly smaller than I would expect. Are there any other questions? How how big is the facility? It is uh, from from what we can tell, it's isolated using satellite imaging, Google Maps, and such. Uh, it's it's basically in the middle of, of nowhere, um, but uh, the facility itself is rather small. There's a building that is the office, the main office, and there is a building, uh, actually three buildings that are connected somehow that we assume is the uh, actual array. So are you assuming there's like an underground layer to the facility? that could connect the buildings through thermal imaging. We couldn't find any, any indication that there was anything underground other than the standard infrastructure. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, make some preparations. Uh, how far away is the facility from here? It's a one hour drive. Hour drive. Okay. Well, if, uh, there will be nothing else, uh, only communicate using the burner phone and only if you absolutely need to. Mm-hmm. Understood. Excellent. You have your orders. Thank you. So it takes an hour to get to the array. Uh, on the way there, you do have some time that you can, you can work on some things, gather some information. Uh, I need to know who's driving. Whoever's driving, you have the option, the only option that you have really is to um, ask the others to search things for you or to practice your disguise if you, you know, if you wanted to do that. If you practice your disguise, uh, you will be a little bit better at uh, coming off as a Department of Energy investigator. Can I give them a to that role because I actually work for the Department of Energy like this is my literal day job yeah yeah you can you can certainly help them uh, no need to roll but uh, you know if you sp- if you spend the time doing that you'll have two things that you can do on the way there this scenario is broken down into 30 minute increments so that's how we'll be breaking everything down on the way there it takes an hour so you'll have two things that you can do whoever's gonna practice whoever's driving is only going to be able to practice their their secret identity and you can do that basically twice so that'll give you a bigger boost okay because i i can i drive and then give them a boost 
Like just kind of like talking while I'm driving to them? Yeah, I'll allow that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, then then perfect. I'll drive. But then you won't be able to do any computer work or anything of the sort, research, that kind of thing. Agent Lawrence, if it's all right with you, I think I'll um, do as you suggested and look into these... uh the uh, the research and engineering team and, and the director um, see uh, see what I can find about this hollow beam technology and uh, and the individuals re- researching it. It's not a bad idea. Uh, what was your name again? Malakoff. Uh, you can call me Christian. Christian, yes. Well, I would also probably suggest that we look into the hierarchy of Olympian advances as well. Um, if they have a they have a contract with the the DOE and the DOD, I've certainly never heard of it. Sure. Um, I mean, my, uh, my background's in the research, so I may may find more information that way, but uh, certainly I'll, I'll do some searching on that and see what I can dig up. All right. Um, so what are we researching? We'll start with, so Nate, you will be, or uh, Agent Jameson, you're going to be doing helping these guys with their cover identities uh so then we'll start with we'll start with malakoff uh what what is your first 30 minutes going to be spent doing i'll do the research into the organization and the individuals um see if i can pull up uh, any other work they've been involved in um any uh papers they've written or projects they've been involved in prior to uh, olympian advances all right uh, with your with your training in uh, physics, you don't need to have any kind of computer skill because you know just the right academic sites to research who these people are and such. Uh, so you know that the lead researcher, Dr. Jamie Campbell of MIT, uh, has a reputation of being a bit of a crackpot, but she has an extensive history of projects affiliated with the Air Force. Um, yeah, she's uh, now working for Olympian, Olympian Advances, but uh, you know that she's had quite an extensive history with uh, some governmental work. Um, the other researchers, uh, Dr. So that's Dr. Campbell. So she is a MIT physicist. Um, she's a gray-haired black woman is what you gather from your research. She is the director of the research and of the uh, array. And that's about all the information that you can gather that is public. Dr. Black, or we'll get to Dr. Klinger, uh, is a University of Chicago physicist and the senior researcher after Campbell. Uh, She, um, again, just kind of has worked for... um, for the uh, private uh, sector and there's not much information regarding any additional research that she's done. So strange that these people are going to be in charge and don't have really extensive academic backgrounds, especially in, the, in terms of research. It, it all seems to be uh, kind of hush-hush. Uh, Dr. Black, he's kind of a, a chunkier Caucasian man um, with salt and pepper hair. He's University of Chicago physicist, and he does have decades of impressive work. Um, but something weird, like he's he has put out quite a few articles regarding um, mythical stuff and its relation to physics. A lot of uh, also kind of crackpot stuff. Uh, 
Dr. Ishi Takagawa. Uh, he's older, and he uh, apparently became a citizen of of the country at the age of 21, and he basically did decades of work at high-profile facilities, including the Lego Hanford Observatory, um, Fermilabs, Tevatron, and the Large Hadron Collider, as well as uh, some some private work for Olympian advances. Oh, he also has some uh, experience with military government work. He worked a little in a couple of projects at uh, an Air Force base at Nellis. Uh, Evan Kozak is Takagawa's uh, second in command. It's not a PhD. Uh, it's a junior engineer. Basically, no history on him. And then the final assistant, Jingfei Tsang, uh, is also... Um, uh, she's a, an IT specialist, 33, 33 years old, um, Chinese-American. And again, not a whole lot of information regarding her work in IT anywhere other than Olympian advances. So, um, seems like we've got this... Uh this link to the Air Force again. Um, don't don't know whether it's worth us digging up some some more information about that. Um, what do you what do you think, uh, agents? The Air Force has always been into things of that nature. My my father worked on similar systems in South Korea, so it's not totally out of the question. Brad Clark. What are you doing for the first 30 minutes of the drive? Do we have any like blueprints that are provided from for the facility? No, but you can do some um, Google satellite search, and uh, you can also kind of do some computer work. Uh, doesn't take much, but you are able to gather some information that way. Yeah, I'll try to uh, figure out possible... Uh, like exit exit places like um, emergency exit locations and stuff like that uh, just in advance and all the basic stuff of the area like what I can see from the satellite images this is what you've gathered from the satellite view Uh, it is basically like they told you it's kind of in the middle of a wooded area there is a driveway that gets you to a security checkpoint, and then there's another longer driveway that gets to the two main buildings. There's a there's clearly a larger building that just must be where the you're assuming where the actual research center is, and then the actual array itself is separated from the building. It's four distinct little buildings that are connected by these these tubes. Fascinating. It looks like there may be some sort of particle uh, acceleration. They've got a splitter there, some terminals. If that's the case, the facility would have to be massive. I have a doubt that they may have some underground facilities in addition to all of these that show up on ground. Yeah, but what's strange about that is that they didn't show up in thermal imaging. Uh, They may be deeper... So if, if they're deep enough, they might not show up. That's a valid point. I guess there's only one way to find out, though. Yeah. 
next section. It is now 4.30. You guys are almost to the facility. What did you want to do with your final segment of time? Is it worth investigating that uh, that power surge that interrupted our meeting? Real quick, Vase, as, uh, as my agent has experience with uh, these sorts of things, would I be able to just kind of quickly conjure up some sort of reasoning behind all, any of that, or... Um, whatever you think your your reasoning would be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why an array would send out a pulse unless they were testing the actual um, the splitter itself and something went wrong. If there is particle acceleration, they'll need massive amounts of energy. Hmm. Which is strange because it doesn't... It's hard to see where that would even be coming from if that's the case. So you you had uh, thought about maybe researching the power surge, researching the, the company that's sponsoring the program. Yeah, I think it's worth looking into Olympian advances. Strange, I've never heard of this company, so perhaps it's some sort of front for something else. Yeah, so I, I'll happily look into that for you. All right, so um, looking into Olympian advances, just the basic web search initially leads you into some information about it. It's a privately held corporation with a lot of ties to the U.S. military and uh, other U.S. Air Force contractors like Boeing and Lockheed Martin. It seems to be a subsidiary of a much larger and much more secretive company called March Technologies. It mostly, uh, March Technologies mostly seems to deal in computers and flight navigation as far as uh, your web searches can can tell you. Do you have uh, military science, air, land, or sea? I do not. Yeah, basically that's the information that that you've gathered. You really haven't heard too much about March Technologies. I mean, Olympian seems pretty, pretty open. Uh, there's a lot of information, public information regarding it. The scientists, as you were able to find it pretty easily with some just cursory web searches. But March Technologies feels much harder to to determine. Mr. Clark, so if you wanted to research the, the information on the power surge, or do you want to use your electrician um, skills for, for looking into deeper into the array itself? I could try that, maybe. You, you feel like the array... Um, well, you first you find the array was built about two years ago. It's... It's when the construction started for it. And uh, it just went online for the first time this morning, according to Delta Green. So you do find that the array is powered through the local electric company. Uh, Basically, uh, Con Edison is the name of the electric company. And they've apparently run an industrial strength line to the facility. So the infrastructure runs through this wooded area into the facility itself. And that's how it's powered. But... uh, in regards to the construction of the array, you don't find too much. Uh, you find some um, some information regarding its its basic construction, but no details regarding how it works or anything of the sort. Uh, do I actually? Can I find any information on this uh, fence area? Is it like an electric fence? That's surrounding the compound. So there's an external security hut that stands outside, uh, and then that that circular thing that you saw is a concrete wall. And yeah, yeah. 
uh, one thing one thing you did notice is that there's there doesn't seem to be during your electrical research um, there doesn't seem to be any cell sites uh, there's anywhere in the wooded area or near the wooded area there also doesn't seem to be any landline connection to the building itself uh, the infrastructure from the telephone company just runs to the security hut well they may, might be using like short range uh, walkie-talkies or some stuff like that possibly but that's uh, that's about the extent that you could gather from your research and as you're finishing up on the bit of information that you were able to gather you look up and you're you notice that uh, that you guys are actually already getting there so the, the car is pulling up to the first security gate So the external security hut stands outside the concrete wall. It's uh, when you pull up, you notice there seems to be a landline telephone sitting right next to the security guard. The um, the gatehouse uh, has a bunch of security cameras pointing in all sorts of directions. And when you look kind of from the corner of your eye, you notice that there is a security camera pointing at the license plate of the vehicle. Everything, every angle of your vehicle is being recorded by these security cameras. The security guard also has a couple of monitors um, behind him, and he uh, clearly it's from inside the the offices in the main building. There's security feed from a lot of different areas within there, and the officer whose name tag says Henry Gonzalez, uh, he's very fit in his 40s. Uh, clearly seems to handle himself as if he was in some sort of uh, military training or uh, police training of some sort. Uh, he greets you at the gate and says, um, "Yes, may I help you?" Yes, we're we're here for our inspection. We're with the Department of Energy, and I flash my my relevant credentials. Okay, okay. He goes. He grabs like his notepad, uh, writes some stuff down, checks all of your credentials individually, hands them back to you, and says, "Okay, just go ahead and drive through that uh, driveway. And when you get to the main building, check in with the security guard at the main building." You drive through the winding road is uh, it's quite long actually. It's uh, surprising how separated this whole area is from the main security hut. This this seems to be very very much separated from society. How long would you roughly say? Like half a mile, a mile? Um, let's say it's uh, let's say it's half a mile. Sounds reasonable. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good distance. And when you pull up, there are some parking spots uh, right off to the side of the main building. And there is a security hut, and there's a female security guard, uh, Officer Karen Henson. And she also carries herself like she's been in some kind of military training. Uh, she sees you park, and as you begin walking towards her, you notice that on the desk uh, where she's at, there is uh, a telephone as well. And then there are some security cameras with the live feed of what's going on inside the building as well. And from the live feed, uh, when you guys were parking, you saw her hanging up the phone. And from the live feed, after you walk up to her, you see a woman, a black woman with kind of salt and pepper hair, walking through the feed, heading out towards the main door. And the security guard, um, whose tag says Officer Karen Henson, she greets you. Uh, welcome, welcome to the array. You must be the Department of Energy inspectors. Yes, that's correct. 
Great. Um, well, we will uh, we will make this as uh, easy for you as we can, and uh, the doctor is coming out to greet you right now. There's double doors, and they slide open, and a very a very slender woman who carries herself very straight comes walking out. She's wearing glasses, and she sees she kind of takes a good look at each one of you, and says. You must be the inspectors. Yes, that's correct. I'm Dr. Campbell. I run the array. I take it that uh, you're here to do your little inspection and then get out. Is that correct? Yes, we're here to make sure that everything is up to guidelines. We don't want to be here any longer than you want us to be here, but we uh, obviously have our job to do. So if you can help us uh, evaluate uh, the, uh, the facility as per our protocol, we'd be much appreciated. That is exactly what I wanted to hear. I'm sure you'll find nothing. Uh, we'll be glad to show you around and uh, get you all settled in and make your visit as quick as possible. Do you have any questions for me before I pass you off to uh, one of the uh, assistants here? Any particular areas uh, of the uh, complex and the array that uh, you... you uh believe we should be uh, inspecting first or the more complicated areas perhaps we could start with those uh, get them uh, out of the well, way really there's no place I'd like for you to inspect if that's what you're asking but if you must well you may speak with all of the uh, scientists and make it as brief as, as necessary and uh, if you wish to know where you would like to go first I am going to have an escort with you Evan Kozak who is coming out in just a moment uh, but uh, before I go back to my work, whatever questions you have of me, go ahead and spit them out. Do you have a list of the current employees and security staff that we could have a copy of? I don't have a list, but I can read them off to you. After all, it is, uh, it's not quite a lot of people that work here. So, we have myself, Dr. Jamie Campbell. I'm the director of the project uh, we also have uh, two additional researchers, um, all of who, of course, were with me during the activation of the array. That would be Dr. Black and Dr. Klinger, who you'll meet inside. Their job is in part to confirm the lasers remain properly aligned and uh, keep records of incidents that might affect the data or the alignment of uh, such lasers. We also have the engineering team, which uh, includes... Dr. Takagawa, and the person you are about to meet, Evan. And our IT specialist, Yingfei Sang, who uh, is also inside the office here. And of course, you have our security personnel and our cleaning crew. Anyone who is uh, not working today, I shall give you a list of those individuals if you need it. Is that something you'll require? Yes. Yes, we need to make sure that everyone working here is is of the necessary clearance. Well then, I shall give you that information right away. The security guards on hand right now are Henry Gonzalez and Karen Henson. We have additional security guards as we have 24 hour surveillance and security at the array, but they are not working of course at the moment, the other additional ones. 
and our janitor comes at night, so she is not here either. Very well. All right. Thank you. Much appreciated. Are there any other questions regarding the operations of this place that you need answered by me? You uh, mentioned there about uh, monitoring uh, any events and the array being activated. Um, Can you um, clarify if there were any uh, particular events in the past uh, 24 hours? Um, Exactly what time was the array activated and uh, um, any any particular... um, events that were recorded by Dr. Klinger and Black that you were involved in? Um, there was, uh, we, we set the array into active status at 10 o'clock this morning. Other than that, the only event was something external. It was nothing that had to do with the array itself, uh, which was a power surge that occurred right around 3.30. But the array has since uh, come back online, uh, maybe about uh, an hour and 20 minutes ago now. So... Everything is back to normal, and there doesn't seem to be any anomalies. You said the array went went back offline, so the power surge uh, did affect the facility. Oh, yes. There was a power surge. Uh, the array was knocked offline. We had to reboot it and get it back into, ba- back into gear. So the array's been ac- activated twice in 24 hours? It's been activated twice, yes. It, it activated, it went online at 10, and then right around uh, 4 o'clock, we... We brought it right back online, and we're back in business. And uh, as she's saying that, you notice the security guard, Karen, uh, she kind of looks a little bit disturbed every time um, that the Dr. Campbell mentions the array and the power surge. Um, Question, Vase. Are we, given, given our, well, I guess specifically given my background, Am I able to discern what type of array it is, as there are numerous types? Like based on your based on your actual research, you mean? Yeah, and given the fact that I do this for a living, yeah. I'd be able to sort of tell what um, style of array it it's is. It's something unlike anything you've you've ever seen before. Am I able to kind of discern its like origin or you'd probably have to get a closer look to discern that kind of information okay because usually the arrays are quite large yeah right now you're in front of the building of the main building if you go behind the building there's going to be the the atrium itself where the array actually is housed and that's the the different uh four different buildings that are connected by these tubes so yeah it's large i mean it's not somewhere that you can just you know see you know in just a small area it's three buildings or four buildings connected by these large tubes and you'd have to enter each one. Mm-hmm. Can it, are we able to kind of discern like roughly how large each atrium is just given a quick glance at it? Um, I'm not sure that it says the actual size, but uh, the, you mean the, the connected buildings as a whole? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's say they're, I mean, they're about the size of the of the office building. So <laughs> when you put them all together, you know, the entire array itself, including the tubes that are connecting the individual buildings. So, you know, square footage wise, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't even venture a guess, but it's it's large enough for several people to go into each building. Dr. Campbell, I wonder how, if you could tell us uh, how much, what, what the energy consumption like is for the uh, array facility. Um, uh, I understand uh, it's an industrial uh, 
link to the uh, energy grid that you've uh, you've got here. So, uh, you know, what what level of energy consumption are we looking at for to help power this array? Mm, I see what you're saying. Your implication is that we caused the power surge, and uh, that is what you're trying to uh, to tag us with. But uh, it's kind of comical, uh, Mr. Inspector. It's Dr. Malikov. Dr. Malikov. Well, uh, Dr. Malikov. Dr. Malikov? The Dr. Malikov physicist? No relation. No relation, okay. Well, um, no, we, the power needed to uh, power this location is no different than any other uh, research facility. The array uses lasers, high-powered lasers, which, of course, are going to take some energy. But uh, the array ran fine from 10 a.m. to about 3.30, and uh, it didn't cause a power surge during that time until 3.30. The power surge clearly was something external. And again, the security guard kind of looks and then just keeps looking down at her work. Well, I guess that's exactly why we were sent here to investigate. Um, Obviously, the uh, energy uh, company will have their... um, part to uh, play in in reporting back to us as well Um, I'd be very grateful if you could share those um, uh, energy profiles for for your equipment Uh, Uh, you'd have to speak with the engineers Uh, Dr. Takagawa would probably be the one to to be able to help you Uh, perhaps Evan who is coming out in just a moment uh, will be able to answer those questions for you as well but uh, yes yes I actually would appreciate it uh, Dr. Malikov if you speak with the energy department to prevent any further interruptions into our research with these power surges. Absolutely. Now, if there won't be anything else, okay, and as she's saying that, um, someone walks out, and um, you're assuming it's Evan Kozak. Uh, you know Evan Kozak is the assistant to um, Dr. Takagawa, is basically the junior engineer. Um, and... He comes out, he's, um, <laughs> he's for about 40-something, a white, wiry Caucasian with some, he's kind of got like nervous eyes, uh, wears glasses. Oh, oh, uh, Dr. Campbell, uh, are these the inspectors that I'm supposed to lead around? Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Kozak will be uh, happy to show you around and answer any further questions that you have. Otherwise, whatever questions you might have, I'll be in my office. Thank you. Hi, hi, you're the inspectors, huh? Yes, that's correct. Ah, ah. Well, uh, you've come to a fantastic, fantastic place. The, the research that we do here is, uh, is nothing short of extraordinary. What, exa- what exactly is the purpose of the array? Oh, well, the array is uh, it's a miraculous, uh, uh, I would say, discovery, but uh, it's just the wor- hard work from brilliant minds, uh, to, to be honest. Um, basically, these lasers and mirrors work together to detect changes in space-time. See, the theory is that there's going that there is a a, a, a reality itself is is just a projection, a three-dimensional projection onto a two-dimensional surface. All of us, this, you, me, all of us standing here. I would imagine that takes quite a bit of computer power. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we have a we have a very supercomputer, uh, and uh, that's uh, that's run by uh, 
by our IT support individual, uh, Jingfei Tseng. Um, I can take you to her if you wish to speak with her first. But uh, basically, the computer processes all the information and, uh, well, translates it so that humans can read it. I am in charge, along with uh, Dr. Takagawa, of actually maintaining the lasers and making sure that they stay aligned. Uh, and that the array stays functioning properly. So, so Evan, that sounds fascinating. Can can you tell me, uh, is is the array there to detect this projection or produce the projection? Oh, it's detecting changes. That's what the computer is analyzing. Right. See, what what they're trying to do is, uh, well, <laughs> they're uh, they're trying to find a way to quicken communication. Can you imagine if? one day we're here and someone in Mars and we can instantly send massive amounts of information by noticing changes in space-time and connecting them together. It's quite advanced. That sounds more like quantum computing than it does anything else. <laughs> well, it's, it's more than just computing. This is state-of-the-art. So is this the first time the array's been turned on? 10 o'clock was the first time uh, it was turned on. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> You mentioned uh, quantum uh, computing. The, the quantum reactions that, that uh, fold and spindle space-time itself also have a lot to do with, uh, with physics and particle acceleration. It's all connected, all of it. Mm. Yeah, I originally did developmental software for quantum computing when I worked for Samsung and TSMC, so I'm actually fairly literate when it comes to that subject. Oh, that's that's great to hear. You worked for Samsung. Yes, yes. I would say they were state-of-the-art if I didn't work here. Has there been any trials of the array before it was switched on proper? Uh, uh, no, not that, I, not that I know of. I mean, we did... We, the array was built two years ago. We've done extensive maintenance and controls and testing... But no full testing of it. Not until it went online at ten o'clock. So, anything interesting been picked up in the since it's been uh, activated? Um, no, other than the power surge, but that had nothing to do with the uh, the array itself. Were you able to discern the cause of the power surge? Um, it must have been external. That's what that's what we're all thinking. Uh, something with you know some issues with the power company. And how did that affect the array? Um, well, I was there uh, along with uh, Dr. Takagawa and. Uh, when when the power surge happened, it, uh, it it knocked it offline for a little bit, but uh, we were, I was able to get it back back up online. Yeah, yeah. How did you manage that? I mean, it's just a matter of realigning the lasers and resetting the the systems. Did all of the systems go offline when the power surged, or was it just some of the systems, mostly non critical? I would assume. I, I believe everything went offline, but you know I don't I don't run D, so that's something that you'd have to speak with Jingfei about. But as far as your systems, or the systems that you're in control of, that was what went offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's been a bit of a drive here, so if you don't mind, I actually have to go to the bathroom, and I shall return. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no problem. Yeah, so uh, what's the first part of the uh, tour, Evan? Where, where do you recommend we uh, visit first? Well, um, I mean, it's up to you. You're the inspectors. Did you want to speak with, with Yingfei and, and uh, talk about D, or do you want to uh, talk to one of the doctors? Well, we'll need to speak to everyone, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, who do you think is uh, sort of closest to the project? Oh, well, it's a team effort. Uh, there's no closest to the project. I guess the 
The director herself, Dr. Campbell, would be the one who is the most invested in the entire project as she oversees the whole thing. But, uh, well, <laughs> I got to tell you, this, this project, I can't speak enough good things about the work that we're doing here. I mean, humanity has not even come close to anything like this. This is not just years ahead of its time. <laughs> this is uh, centuries ahead of its time. Could you, could you show us some of the uh, the workings of the array? I'd be quite interested to see those. Oh, yes. Well, that's that's what I know most about. I can take you outside to the uh, to the atrium and show you around. That'd be fantastic. Maybe we'll just wait for uh, Agent Jameson. Um, it is 5.30, so you guys uh, can either split up and kind of split your investigation to different areas, or you can um, continue following uh, Mr. Um, Kozak. Yeah, I would like to sit down and uh, see your data on the power search, if you don't mind, to see how it affected your systems. Oh, you'd have to speak with uh, Yingsei and, and D about uh, how how it was affected. But I don't, I don't think anything uh, went wrong because we were able to realign it properly after the fact. Yeah, just just out of interest, if it's possible, any way possible. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I'll I'll direct you over to the uh, to the lab. That's where D is and and uh, Yingfei is. It's going to be at. And uh, uh, Dr. Malakoff, uh, you said your name was. That's correct. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you outside to the atrium. Your friend can find his way, I guess, and uh, meet up. It's not a very large building, so I'm sure he can find you guys. Okay. All right. So we'll start five thirty. Agent Clark, you go to you go straight down the to the end of the hallway. Uh, where you enter the lab. This lab is pretty amazing. Um, Not to interject, but uh, since he's walking right past where I would be, I would just follow him in. You're going with you're going with him. Okay. You you get into the uh, lab where you greet. You're greeted by a 30, 30 something year old Chinese American woman. Oh, oh, are you the inspectors that were coming in here? Yeah. We are the inspectors. Oh well, <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you. Uh, what what information can I help you with? Um, there are tons of monitors, uh, and there seems to be a very large, uh, seems to be some kind of a mainframe in the corner. Uh, this is a very large room, uh, mainly clearly intended to house this large computing system that apparently. She calls D. Yeah, I was thinking if I could uh, see your notes on the power search that uh, happened during the system going online, the array going online, just to check check on if it uh, shows the same here as at the outside. It's, so you want to know if the uh, if the power search made some change. Gave you some changes in in signals. Yeah, basically that if if your data on the search is the same as uh, it's on the outside, 
just to be sure. Oh yes, yes. The, well, when when we had the power surge, a lot a lot went down, but D stayed online, and uh, and got a lot of information. Uh, here, uh, we can we can just ask D, and D was the most advanced computer in this world. Can get you whatever information you need. You just ask it. Go ahead, try it. So can. The predict the lottery? Should I be writing lottery ticket numbers up? This is like glorified Siri, if that's the case. Ha! Siri! Ha <laughs> ha! You funny guy. Yeah, if if I can just take a take a seat and start looking over the the data. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I wanna. I kind of wanna talk nerdy with Yingfei. Uh, given given my background in quantum computing and uh, microelectronic assembly. I would uh, ask her about the inner workings of the of D itself, and all right. Um, so JP, uh, she tells you to you can either type in a question. There's in one of the monitors you can actually type whatever question uh, to D, or you can just ask the question to D. So, how did you want to do it? <clears throat> I, um, as I see Agent Jameson distracting the doctor. Uh, I'll I'll think I'll uh, use the typing so I can like do it more discreetly while he's maybe looking. Okay. Um, so as you as you're checking for anomalies uh, on the screen, um, you see you see a bunch of uh, data uh, pop up. It's not something that you can make a whole lot of sense of. And all of a sudden, you hear a voice uh, coming out from the main, the area of the mainframe. All systems active. Greetings. Please log in. Username accepted. Logging into system. There was another pulse detected at 1528. Oh, there was two total. The power surge did not create any anomalies in the projections that I have made. Do you want to see those projections? Uh, yeah, I'll type yes. Show me the projections. From what you can gather of the data that, that you're receiving from D, there was a pulse at recorded at 10 a.m. when the array was activated, at 11.05 with 47 seconds, at 12.11 with 34 seconds, 13.17 with 21 seconds, 14.23 with 8 seconds, 15.28 with 55 seconds, and 16.34 with 42 seconds. Uh, the 15.28, the pulse seems to be a little bit stronger than the others. Uh, and that's right around the time when the power surge occurred. Uh, 16.34 with 42 seconds. It's a little bit weaker. Uh, and then the projections are 17.40 with 29 seconds. It's a little bit stronger, but uh, not as strong as the one at 15.28. Did you want to see future projections? Sure. Uh, let's let's see them. Nineteen fifty-two and three seconds. Then a much stronger one at twenty fifty-seven with fifty seconds. Twenty-two oh three with thirty-seven seconds, where the projected signal fills the graph at every scale. It it just doesn't make any sense to you. So it's like a really strong one at twenty-two oh three. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Nate, you're uh, you're speaking with Ying Fang. Uh, she she's telling you, she seems super excited when you asked about D. She says, "Oh, D is the most advanced computer in the world. This 
this is a miracle of science and technology. Mm. Well, I tend not to believe in miracles. I usually usually believe that human ingenuity is quite remarkable in its own regard. Oh, oh, it is. It, it is quite remarkable. Uh, but this is custom built. This is uh, this custom built. Oh yes, yes. Hardware and software. Oh yes, it, it was built just for this. Uh, for this project, it's uh, presenting data from elaborate physics experiments, uh, it, and it's making it comprehensible to human minds. Mm-hmm. Does it use machine learning, or how, how does the how is the data processed through the machine? Oh yes, it's constantly learning. D is fantastic. <laughs> Funny, uh, if D was connected to the internet, it might take over the world. <laughs> oh, but uh, but D is a uh, I tell you how it works. Uh, you say you understand the technology. It's a crystal matrix quantum supercomputer. Uh, data is stored in a crystal framework and retrieved by lasers. With more power, it's in just one little area than uh, other supercomputers pack in a large refrigerated room. It's a state-of-the-art beyond state-of-the-art. How does it stay cool if that's the case? That must cause a loss. It needs very minimal cooling, sir. That's why it's so advanced. It's not just processing data. In my mind, I, it, it's like it's thinking. It updates. It rewrites itself. It's constantly adapting to the array and the environmental factors that uh, affect its precision and, and sensitivity. Were you involved in the creation of D, or are you just basically its handler at this point? Oh, no. The, uh, I, I just uh, maintain it. I did not build it, no. It literally, it does all the work. I just uh, keep an eye, make sure things are working. And where is all the data stored? I would assume you have some sort of server room or... No server room needed. It's just this tiny little mainframe right here. Um, it doesn't make any sense to you. It, this should not be working. Uh, and even, even if that is the case, then how do you cool all of the storage? It needs very minimal cooling, very advanced technology. Hmm, that's odd. I mean, given my... Research with TMC and quantum computing, that doesn't seem possible. Oh, I know. I know, sir. But D is very smart. Well, sure, but that just defies physics. I don't expect you to understand. I don't expect anyone to understand. I barely understand. You just ask it, and it'll answer a question for you. At that point, it sounds more like a monitor with remote access to some other sort of computing processes than it does anything else. So while she's kind of blabbing on about about this technology, can I kind of dig into uh, like, can I just look at the outside of D and kind of make a determination based on my quantum computing skill? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The, the size of it, it, it just seems like a casing, a normal casing for a larger type of mainframe, but not larger than some of the uh, supercomputers and mainframes that you've seen that don't have even close to the computer power, computing power that this thing supposedly has. And then as far as powering it goes, is it just like oh, a single wire that's plugged uh, into There's a, a few wires running from it into, you know, into the ground. And so, yeah, I think I'd be able to pretty easily tell which of the, you know, which wire does what. So, um, I know she mentioned that the the D isn't connected to the internet, but presumably it's connected to 
some network with a Cat5 cable. Yeah. I would assume there's also power as well. So how do you power the machine? I know you mentioned that there was crystal that you were using, but but that crystal would need power if that's the case. Oh, there's power coming to it. It's plugged in. Just plugged into the wall of the standard 12 volt, or how? There's some. There's some like. Uh, power cables but they're running into the ground Mm -hmm. and into the casing like you can't really like you said you you know what cables should be power cables and such but there's no you feel like it should have more going to it but uh you don't even hear cooling fans or anything it's strange um what else do we see in the lab itself other than d if d doesn't take up that much space then there must be other things within the lab um there's monitors there's some paperwork uh printouts uh and uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's D, D, D. According to Yingfei, D interprets the signals that are received from the array and makes it easier to read for the uh, physicists. But she doesn't know how that specifically functions. No, just what she told you, which makes no sense. Let me cut to Malakoff, Kozak is uh, leading you outside and shows you the atrium, which, you know, as I showed you before, it's just the four buildings kind of uh, connected with these tubes. Uh, The laser array is a long machine about waist high. Its beams emit into the tube at the far end of the building. And um, the atrium is cramped with complex electronics and thick power cables running along the walls. Um, and then there's, you know, like I was saying, there's a little bit of infrastructure underground, and that connects it to the main, to the main building. So, Evan, where's these uh, these cables go underground off to the main building, or is there uh, an underground uh, um, sort of network of cables? Yeah, the the cables connect to the main building because D analyzes the data that the cables and the array itself gather. We won't be able to analyze the data on our own. We need this special supercomputer to to translate the data for the uh, physicists to look at. This uh, supercomputer, who, who developed that? The computer was developed by our sponsors. I'm not quite sure if there was one person or a team of people, but uh, uh, the sponsors of the program, they're the ones who did it. So can you show me how this array works? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love to. So... Uh, basically, the atrium houses an array of ultraviolet xenon lasers. Um, they're enclosed in a plain metal casing. And, uh, well, <laughs> the lasers then, um, it, they're custom built. So they work a little bit different than some uh, particle acceleration chamber or something. Uh, the, the lasers it themselves uh, then use the mirrors that are housed in the other building. And... Uh, gather data from out out in space and they basically are constantly checking for changes in space time do they where do they focus their energies is it uh, do they cast a net of energies or do they focus on sp- specific points in space well we calibrate them for different areas but we just set the uh set the uh, array online today so right now it's you know pointed at one specific direction but uh, as we as our research develops throughout the next few years we may realign the lasers and point them to different directions so what direction has been chosen to start with oh, well i could show you a map of space but i don't think you're going to know where that is well just uh, some co- some coordinates any particular 
um, area of space? Yes, they're, it's all very specific. The, the lasers are more more precise and sensitive than uh, than anything that's available right now. And uh, clearly, with your skill, you know that these. Well, first of all, um, the lasers themselves. I mean, it's it's nothing you've heard of before. Uh, this this kind of setup is not something that that should work the way he's saying it should work. Uh, in fact, the the technology just somehow feels wrong to you. Can we uh, check out these mirrors, Evan? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> you can uh, take a look at uh, certain portions of the array, but uh, there are areas that are restricted. And uh, with, well, not to be rude, but uh, with your clearance, uh, there's some areas that you just can't enter. If you want to look at the at the mirrors, I can get you in there, but uh, we, we'd need to uh, get a clean room attached to the uh, atrium first. Uh, that takes about an hour to set up, and then then you can go in there. A clean room? Well, uh, is that... You, you reducing particulate matter, or what's what's well? The, uh, any kind of particles that enter the room can affect the data that's produced by the lasers and the mirrors. So, in order to go into the uh, to the mirrors, the room with the mirrors, and prevent any kind of contamination, um, which, by the way, the, the rooms are three meters by three meters across and three meters high, with some concrete walls. Um, yeah, any. any time that you want to go inside uh, you'd have to uh, sanitize clothing and uh, connect the clean room that uh, will then be uh, connected to an extraction system that will remove any particles that uh, are unwanted that way we keep this experiment as uh, clean as possible we don't want any kind of particles affecting the data that is gathered by the lasers I can, I can appreciate that do you not have any observation windows or um camera setups to examine the mirrors in case of faults saving you all that time in prepping clean rooms? Well, there's very little need for us to to go in there. Uh, Dr. Takagawa and myself align the lasers as needed but, uh, well the the technology is so advanced it kind of runs itself to be honest (laughs) and even the computer itself um, does all the work. Uh, The IT specialists really, they're just there to kind of make sure things keep running in case anything goes wrong but uh, this place kind of runs itself the the physicists analyze the data and Dr. Takagawa and I just once in a while would we'll, we'll need to realign such as the power surge that happened today. Yeah so tell me tell me about that uh, it's quite interesting you, you most of the time you don't nothing goes wrong so tell me about what you had to do to fix things this time. Oh it was just a, a basic realignment of the lasers it, it could be done externally uh, they are so precise. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's. I, I can't speak enough about how amazing this technology is. The work we're doing here is truly, truly remarkable. And uh, what is your human dad? It's thirty-one. You sense when he says that. You sense that he's genuine, but at the same time, something has him a little bit disturbed. I'll, I'll, um, I'll directly observe that and. Uh Say, Evan, uh, you seem a little bit disturbed by something. Well, I mean, any time you you're dealing with things that mankind has uh, has never gone into before, well, it can be a little bit uh, jarring. So you know, especially for your own existence uh, and your and our place in the universe. But uh, I think that's all you're noticing. He's clearly lying. 
There's something else bothering him. So I'll push him a bit harder uh, and, and say, uh, Evan, what, what, what's happened? What's affected you so much? <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell that you're a genuine individual and uh, you guys are here to try and shut us down and I, I just don't want to do anything or say anything that, uh, you know, that would affect us. It's quite the opposite, Evan. We want to make sure this uh, this place can continue uh, um, and provided it's safe and, uh, you know, it, we, there's nothing untoward going on. This this is this should continue, so... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you think that we were doing anything wrong. We're, uh, this place is definitely safe. Uh, I think... <sighs> okay, I just have this nagging feeling that our work is, is leading into something awful. Hmm. Goodness. Does anyone else share that view? Oh, I don't know. I haven't told anyone but you about this. Hmm. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I could see it was affecting you. So, right. Was there anything particular that uh, about it? This supercomputer? Just the detection of, of jitters in space-time. I mean, it, it just seems, uh... It's, it, it, it just, uh... It's jarring. It's jarring, and I feel like, uh... Well, something bad is coming. Well, maybe we should, uh... We should make sure that that doesn't happen, Evan. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, it, it's probably just me being a little bit paranoid. Uh, I'll be honest, I... I I do think that we are doing very important work here overall. Well, I don't doubt. I think you've uh, you've obviously been involved in something big, but sometimes, you know, when we we get close to these things, it can sometimes blindside us to to some of the dangers that I think you're you're probably feeling. Um, where 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 um where do you think is is it, what could you show me the things that are that sort of the most unsettling from you know these projections or, or what these jitters that you mentioned? Well, there, there's nothing that I can put my finger on, but if you if you like to go to the computer and talk to Gingfeng, uh, she'll show you. D D can show you the uh, the projections on the jitters. They seem to be very uh, very uh, timely in in terms of their their intervals. Mm. Okay, right. Let's let's do that then, Evan. Um, and uh, just just for your own um, your own peace of mind, if if it did turn out that something really bad was going to happen, do you think that's something that you'd want to stop? Oh, I mean, if it's something bad, <laughs> of course. I just want this work to continue and uh, and be able to help mankind. Yeah, uh, I absolutely. I think uh, we have to put mankind first. staff at the research facility have been forthcoming about their research. The intrepid agents continue to dig deeper into the mystery surrounding the Olympian Halloween array. What secrets lie ahead? Find out.